everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. The show that's all about helping you get your mojo working in and out of the workplace. Maybe it's getting your own mojo working, maybe it's getting a friend's mojo working, maybe it's getting your business mojo working because we cover everything from creativity to meditation to health, wellness, strategy, leadership, thought leadership. We endeavor to cover all those different topics that help you get your mojo working for you personally, at work, away from work, family environment, health and wellness, just to make you feel good and, and to be better. And driving the big brown bus <laughs> that we call the Mojo Radio Show with the tiger skin Balua seat covers. Mm. Uh, Bobo, how's it going behind the panel there, mate? Uh, it's going really well, mate. Thank you. It reminds me, that reminds me of the days of driving the big porcelain bus <laughs> <laughs> after a heavy Saturday uh, night. Good times, good times. Oh, too long ago now. Happy Australia Day, mate, for all our Australian uh, listeners. Yes, yes, we've come and gone again for another year. How was your day? Look, it was very nice, and I must say, I did find it interesting standing at the barbecue. Mm. Uh, of course, my barbecue is covered in beef. Yes, but of course. In the back of my mind, <laughs> it did have me thinking: Should I be doing lamb? And I think that lamb mm. campaign that was done here in Australia, and we will post it on our Facebook site, a link to it, and. We'll put a link to the actual YouTube clip for Lamb Australia in the show notes. But, gee, that's a, it's a clever campaign. It is good, isn't it? I saw it on the TV a few times and obviously on the net uh, a few times, which is where they basically bashed it the most. And, um, yeah, good old Sam Kekovich, he just keeps, you know, rolling around each year and just doing a great job with it, doesn't he? He is actually known as the Lambassador. Yes. <laughs> but for our international uh, audience mm. and for the Aussies who maybe haven't seen the campaign, it was a big viral uh, interwebs campaign for Australia Day Lamb 2016. It was called mm. Commence Operation Boomerang. <laughs> big, big budget job uh, mm. starring an, uh, one of our television personalities called Lee Lin Chin. Warsaw, winter, 96. Minus 17 and not a char-grilled chop in sight. That was no way to spend Australia Day. I, the thing that I take from this campaign for any marketers or brand people listening to our little program, I like the fact that lamb, as a category, have looked to own a day. Mm. And the consistency of what they've done with these campaigns of the last G, I mean, Sam Kekovich has been doing it for, what, six, maybe Six or seven years. years, yeah, easily. And it's the consistency of aiming at that laser beam target that Australia Day is coming up, we're going to own Australia Day, to the point where I was driving and heard a radio station talk to one of its listeners and say, have a great Australia Day, are you going to throw some lamb on your barbie? So yep. I, I think there's a lot in that for people that rather than trying to promote for 365 days of the year, you're better off thinking about real focus real single-minded approach to owning an event, a day, a period. And uh, I've got to say, I suspect the lamb sales for this period of January in Australia would be going through the roof. Yeah. And at the price of some of the lamb at the moment, the, uh, they're making their money back pretty quickly. <laughs> My word. Have you checked your email this morning, Mulder? No, why? Because I received something unsettling and I wondered if you'd gotten it too. 
The Mojo Mailbag. So, Robbo, I dug into the interwebs mailbag and I found mm. a post by a guy that I follow a lot and I initially came across a guy called Darren Altclass uh, and I'll put a link to his stuff in the show notes. Mm. And he's got a very, very good Instagram account, which is all about brand and marketing, but his photography and the visuals are just beautiful. That's what got my attention. In fact, I think I'm going to contact him and and get him on the program. Mm. And he sent a blog out during the week, which I thought was interesting. The question he posed is, when is the best time to post on social media? Right. Now, his blog post stated that the 2015 Census Social Media Report looked at how Australian people, so this is Tudor to Australia, Mm. and Australian people and businesses use social media, when are the most popular times and successful times for people to post so that you will get more eyeballs and action? The two things they found, not surprisingly, were first thing in the morning between 7 and 8 a.m., and last thing before going to bed, 8 till 10 p.m. So if you do want people, it's not just showing a picture of your dog, but if you want people to take action, to Mm. link through to your website, uh, join an email, uh, purchase something, his view based on this bit of data and his work in the ad agency he works in is to do it between 8 and 10 p.m. at night. He said it's by far the best time because people are more likely to take action as opposed to in the morning when we are frantically just trying to get stuff done. So I quite liked this post. I thought it was a good thing for you and I to think about in Mm. terms of the Mojo radio show. And uh, I'm going to contact him today and see if I can get him on the program. Well, here's my first question for him. (laughs) If we're frantically trying to get stuff done in the morning, what the hell are we doing on Facebook? (laughs) (laughs) But that's the stuff we're trying to get done. (laughs) What we're trying to get done is... Facebook, then Twitter, yeah, then Instagram, right. and then you're going to duck back to Facebook in case someone's posted something in the last three minutes. That's right, so it's exactly. So this constant... Geez, did I miss something? While you're shoveling some toast, downing some coffee, racing after the bus, getting the kids to school. Yeah. But you're also doing your emails at the same time. That's right. So it's right. a very tricky balance, my yeah. friend. And answering the phone and God knows what else. Yes, yeah. there you go. Yeah, so oh, well, that'd be good. Yeah, we should try and get him on. That'd be really interesting. I've already yes. got a question for him. There you go. <laughs> oh, very good. Now, what's got your mojo working this week before we rip into the show? I, my, my mojo this week, I've actually got my mojo going. I, I've rediscovered my love of woodwork, actually. Right. Yeah, by default, I, um, we decided that we needed a donations box for the canteen at the rugby ground this year for the, um, for the tour that we're organising for the kids in July. So I stupidly put my hand up and said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll make one. And um, dragged out the drop saw and dragged out the router and, you know, the, put the tool belt on and actually rediscovered my love of it. So um, while I was tapping away yesterday, it reminded me, remember uh, last year we spoke to David Lowy? Yeah. I remember he was talking about his guitar playing and all that sort of stuff and, you mm. know, getting, yeah. It actually reminded me of that. So I thought I'd play this little flashback. So you've been touring in Europe with Whitesnake, and so on. You've been on the Kiss Cruise. You've got an adoring fan who are loving your music. It's loud. It's full on. It's adrenaline. It's a pump. And the next day you go to your office and it's yeah. quite sitting at a boardroom table. How, how does David compartmentalise those two? Well, um, firstly, you know, the band is, we, we're not that well known yet. We've got a lot of, we're able to play in front of a lot of people because we've got some very good support. Mm. And but we do have a solid fan base building, and we are doing our own gigs in England. 
um, where where the tickets are selling well. And but the, I, I just don't have a choice. I've got to, and I like my work, so I've got to I've got to get up and go to the office um, in the morning, like many other people, and and I've got responsibilities and. Um, I've got obligations, responsibilities, and I enjoy it. So um, I practice. I practice guitar every day. I play at least an hour a day, as a minimum. Much more on the weekends, and I do that typically late at night when I've done everything else I've got to do during the day. So it does get a bit tiring at times, and it's a bit weird putting on a, a business suit and going in, <laughs> into an office in the city um, with a briefcase and all the other things. But uh, yeah, it's. Um, I, I do. I do like it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to not do that. So um, I've got to try and fit it all in. And it, it is getting your head into different spaces. It takes a bit of uh, thinking about. But yeah, it's, you get up in the morning, you, just, you do it. Wasn't that a great bit of gold? That is a great bit of gold. And I, I, that show was a very, very popular show for us, folks. If you want to rewind and go back and hear that whole interview with David Lowy now. For those international guests or those people who may not know that name, David Lowy is part of the famous Australian retail business shopping centre family, the Lowy family. And David has got a number of brothers and his famous father, Frank Lowy, really changed the retail landscape here in Australia with shopping centres and certainly around the world with the beautiful Westfield London and so on. Mm. Uh, maybe people don't know that he's also doing a lot of work with uh, preserving historic planes and the memory of the historic warplanes and the pilots that flew them. And he's also a guitarist with uh, our good mates, the Dead Daisies, who mm. are <laughs> a cracking rock band uh, who toured the world with some of the great rock bands of the world. He plays with them. And he's also a uh, fund manager. So it was a really good show. That's a great flashback, mate. Mm, yeah, I... Um I got really inspired by that, so uh, I'm actually going to make it my my mission to uh, to at least get on the tools once a week from now on. So um, I've taken some inspiration from David. Get back to something I enjoy. Yeah, nice. So something else I enjoy is uh, interviewing people. So we should have a listen to this week's interview. Crack into it. The Mojo Radio Show. So, Robbo, you know how we've been on this bent of discovering more about the human brain, right? Mm, indeed, we have. I've been fascinated by it. Yeah, and... It's fair to say we've had some really fantastic guests on the show. Even the last couple of weeks, we've had some amazing guests on talking about positive psychology and emotional intelligence, the brain, how it works. And I was introduced to a guy called Richard Hill. And Richard is a specialist in the dynamics of human behaviour, uh, communication and how that all ties back to the functions of the brain. He is a guy who's an expert in the brain, performance, productivity, and he's got an amazing backstory, a very, very interesting backstory with what he's been through in his life to get to where he is today. So we're delighted to have you here today, mate. Richard Hill, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Uh, fantastic. I'm really, it's great to be here. It, it, the way we meet people and uh, just now here I am. I'm so pleased to be here. Thanks, Gary. You're looking very suave today, can I say? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've got, it's the perfect conditions for radio. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've, we've all got good faces for radio. Richard, before we track through your working career, your backstory, can you just give us an idea of today 
what you do day to day, what your work entails today and who you're doing it with or for? Gee, that's the whole show. So <laughs> there's what, what, I, what I, uh, I am is what you call a neuropsychotherapist. So I'm just a, I'm a guy who's interested in mental health, but actually from the brain's point of view. So I'm a practicing counsellor psychotherapist. So I actually see, uh, see people. The, the, and individuals and couples and groups. Um, I also, um, uh, because I'm so fascinated in the brain and I've, I've learned a lot and I've done a whole bunch of different degrees and things, uh, and interestingly enough, psychotherapy and counselling and to some extent psychology don't have to know a lot about the brain, even though it's the organ they treat. Um, the, uh, <laughs> so I teach a lot. So I do a lot of teaching and I also do uh, quite a bit of writing and I've actually just launched a project uh, of how people can become more aware of the brain, more aware of not just um, the, 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 the neat nifty tricks of how you can become famous and rich because I don't know what that is anyway, um, but how to use the brain and use knowledge of the brain to make yourself uh, more comfortable as a person, more engaged with other people. And from that, I think you can then go off and become rich and successful. I think that's easy then or easier. And uh, that's called Your Amazing Brain 3.0. Uh, so your amazing brain 3.0 and look they're playing music in the background it's mm. what I've always said is when you hear music you should dance <laughs> so <laughs> wouldn't it be great you know down at, uh, at sort of in the the, air, the stock market area and someone gets their mobile phone call and they're putting it up there saying yes sell a million I'm ruin that man but everybody's <laughs> dancing I think that'd be great Richard it's, something you just said that that's a, it's, it's very intriguing is do we do we time do we take the time to think about our brains? It's I yeah. I hear a lot of people talking about um, energy levels and weight loss and cosmetically what we look like and fitness. Are we consciously thinking about that thing up in our skulls called the brain? I think it's a really good question in the sense that it highlights the difference of. Uh, people using using the brain as a sort of a catchphrase and us actually getting a sense of ownership and usefulness out of this amazing thing inside our skull, uh, which actually the skull-based brain, it actually permeates right the way throughout the whole body. And mm. no, I don't think, I, I don't think we do. I think we're getting a lot of shortcuts and nifty things and if you do this, you can control your brain and your brain is doing this to you and your brain is doing that to you. I mean, goodness gracious me, counsellors and psychotherapists don't know what the, how the thing works. It, it's a, my, my wife's a remedial massage therapist and, uh, you know, can you imagine, you know, a remedial, you know, she's massaging you on the arm and, and someone says, oh, what, what are you massaging there? And she says, well, I don't know. Yeah, Some right. muscle, I suppose. Yeah. And this is what we do in, in a lot of counseling. We say, you know, what are you doing to my brain? I said, mm. oh, oh, I don't know, but your behavior's improving and isn't that good? Yeah. Uh, so, and then we've got a lot of people selling a lot of stuff about the brain and half-truths are the most dangerous things because people mm. think they know stuff and the, this uh, mostly I just sit there and throw my hands up which is why I'm doing the work I'm doing saying okay put your put your actions where your 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 thoughts are let's let's deep dive into this Richard I remember many years ago I went to a conference with Candace Pert 
who wrote a book called Molecules of, of Emotion. Emotion. And that was the first time I heard someone talk about the fact that your brain, although it may be up in your head, but you actually think with your whole body. And you just alluded to that. Can you just give us your thoughts and some background on how that works? And if it is true in your mind, how do we take advantage of that? Wow. Yeah. Candace Pert, brilliant. Molecules of Motion. I was reading that when it was first published and everyone said she was crazy. Um, yeah. And, and now uh, it's brilliant. Um, and, and we're doing a lot of work. So, I mean, I actually also work with my mentor in genetics, the, the, the way the genes express themselves in relation to the way we think, but we'll get onto that later. Uh, but yeah, the, the, what we do in our culture and our, in our way of thinking things is we think there's this and that, there's a, a causal, you know, this leads to that, this causes that. And what we've just find so hard to grasp is that everything is connected. There's an interplay of activity that occurs with everything. There is no disconnection. It was old Descartes who said the, the brain is disconnected from the body and it sort of connects through the pineal gland just sort of coincidentally, um, and which is kind of crazy, but it kept the church happy and, you know, how you got to keep the church happy. <laughs> so... What it, what it is is that all these things are acting at the same time together, informing each other. So certainly there's neurons in the brain doing things, but at the same time, there's parts of the body, there's information coming from all over the body, from the brain down to the body, from the body up to the brain, and it's the interplay of this action that eventually comes out into our conscious mm -hmm. mind as a thought. How do we use that? How do I... In your experience, your own personal experience and the stuff you've studied and the people you've spoken and worked with, how do I, how do I better maximize that? In this, in this day and age where seemingly we're not taking the time to sit and think and we're not taking the time to ponder and create and to be curious, how do I, how do I capitalize on the fact that all these things are interrelated? Well, you've actually asked and answered the question. So it's what I call in my curiosity approach uh, that the problem is a message. You say, how do we in this time when we're too busy to sit and contemplate and spend some time engaging in our own experience, <laughs> how do we do that? And the answer is you sit and spend some time contemplating and allow your body to engage. And well, and this is why there's been this huge rise in meditation and mindfulness mm. as uh, as a fabulous process, and it is a fabulous process. But we used to do it naturally. It's a natural process, which that taking a moment out to consider. Now, it's so important. See, the natural process of of life is that something comes. You're, you're wandering along. Something comes along that is different or new or as a challenge or as a stress or whatever. There's a little period of time where you take in new information, which then you spend a period of time trying to make sense of it for yourself. You then battle away with that. And then there's a breakthrough because of some new information or someone says something or something works out. Then you get it. Then there's a whole creative uh, explosion of, of things that come because you've got it, because you've grown and you're new. And then there's a natural time of pause to contemplate and verify and integrate that into the system. Mm -hmm. Now, that four-stage cycle is a universal cycle for everything. That's how 
everything works. Something happens, new information, how does it fit for me? A breakthrough, creativity, pause and contemplate. And that works for molecules, that works for solar systems, that works for people, that works for cultures, it works for everywhere. And what we do is we say, I haven't got time for the creative stuff. I haven't got time for the contemplative stuff. Uh, just make it make sense for me. I want it to make mm-hmm. sense for me. Um, uh, oh, no, 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 no. Could you tell me? And so I come along and say, now, if you just buy my program and you buy my things, here's the four steps to making your life better. Uh, and I give you the four steps that make my life better. You give me money and uh, nothing happens to you and I'm wealthy. Uh, that's the negative side of it. Sometimes those four steps help. But what happens is what we should be doing is getting the four steps, then going back, applying them into our experience as new information, finding what they mean to us, looking for our personal breakthrough, then creating our own four steps, our own version of those four steps, then sitting down and saying, so what does that mean in my life and what can I create next? And someone says, I haven't got time for that. And I'm afraid, Gary, the answer is if you haven't got time for <laughs> I think that's, mate, I think that's, that's absolute gold. It's gold in them, their hills. Um, yeah. you, you mentioned curiosity. This is the, I, I love this word and it's something that I have been curious about for some time now. But I was, in, I was doing a speech in Melbourne last week for 20 uh, emerging leaders, 20 future CEOs, and there was this little red box sitting in the middle of the tables. And as I was preparing to do my thing, I said to the guy who, who owned the, 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 the office we were in, I said, you know, what's the story with these little red boxes? And he said, well, the red box is, goes on each person's desk. That's their only rubbish bin. So, and this, this thing was probably the size of a stubby cooler, but it was a red sort of plastic box. And that's all they get. And all the rest of the rubbish has to be taken away from their desk and put into recycling bins. But if you've got a banana peel or a paper clip or something that can't be recycled, that's, that's all you've got. And I was quite curious about this. And he said, let me show you. That. And he took me through and showed me these different, different colored boxes through the whole office. There's a whole big backstory to it. Mm. Yet what was interesting is that during my speech, which was 45 minutes, not one person was curious about these red boxes. And when I brought it to their attention, they kind of went, yeah, you're right. Like I never ever looked at it to go, I wonder why there's a little tiny square red box sitting on the table. In your mind, are we, are we losing our curiosity? Are we just, are we less curious than we may have been 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago? Again, good question. I, I, I hate, I just thinking this is what politicians say. Thank you for your question. No, uh, <laughs> as, as they try desperately to think of the answer. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You're, you're right on, you're right next to a bunch of things here. So what we do is uh, curiosity hasn't so much diminished, although, yeah, the expression of it has, because curiosity is a state of mind. And I'll, I'll give a little bit more on that because there's actually three elements of curiosity uh, that all work interactively and we don't have a balance of that anymore. That's one of the things that's lost. But what it is is we don't notice stuff. Uh, and it is one of the biggest things. We are now in a world where our attention is drawn and people uh, spend a fortune figuring out how to draw our attention, how to gather our attention. And because there's so many people trying to gather our attention, we've actually become lazy. 
and we go, well, you have to work at it. You work at getting my attention. And the person who works hardest or most successfully, they're going to get my attention. And uh, so that means um, uh, that unfortunately, all that means is you're now controlled. Uh, you're controlled by external forces rather than going, wow, what's that? Where's that? Who's that? What are you doing? Oh, look at that. Did you see that? Oh, that's interesting. Oh, there. Now, most people say, oh, God, that'll just fry, fry my brain. And that may be a problem because I'm, I must admit, people find it hard to walk down the street with me because I'm just having an amazing time. I'm saying, look at that. Oh, did you hear that bird? Oh, wow, look, that shadow. Is that a, is that a butterfly? No, it's not. Oh, it's a chicken. Wow, that's fantastic. Chickens, they were, I'd like some eggs. Let's go get some breakfast. And my wife says, look, darling, it's six o'clock in the morning. Can you slow down? Mm. But it's not. It's energetic fascination. And curiosity is actually three things, three elements of curiosity. Uh, the ones that have been researched and people talk about a lot and our culture is really aware of is curiosity for what you don't know. So you said, hey, any guys noticed that bin? And they looked at the bin and they said, I wonder what that bin's for. I don't know. What a curiosity for I don't know. Our school's based on curiosity for I don't know, our education system, a lot of our business systems. Did you know that? And then people go, oh, no, I didn't. And then they find out. The other one is curiosity for play, just for now. Just, yeah, let's have fun. Oh, wow, look at that. There's a ball. What can we do with the ball? Blah, blah, blah. So curiosity for what you don't know starts when you don't know and finishes when you find out what you don't know. And actually, when you figure it out, there's a little puff of endomorphins. You actually get a little drug burst. It's really cool. We're actually designed to get um, high on learning stuff. That's why quiz shows do so well. The other one is play. Oh, there's a ball. There's a thing. So we love play because that also releases these lovely endorphins. The third one, which has got relegated and pushed into various other strange places like philosophy and staring at your navel and weird people, is curiosity for possibility which is curiosity for what can I create out of that? Now, the red box on the table came from a curiosity for what I don't know, which was what can I do with all this stuff? How can I, how can I get people to, to recycle more? Then they played and they went, well, let's do this, let's do that, let's do a thing, let's do that. And then they came up with this answer of the, the red box. So that's really cool. But you stood there and said, okay, that's cool, that's cool. But what else can I do with that red box? What if I bring it to their attention? I wonder what they'll do then. And that's curiosity for possibility. And that's the fun one. That's the one that takes us, that, that does things in our brain. And I've actually done the, 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 the hard work and there's actually a whole bunch of, of um, little nuclei in the brain that produce all these chemicals that everyone says about the chemical balance that we're supposed to have and all that stuff. When you trigger the curious, the curious and particularly the whole trio of them, uh, then what you do is you, you create greater positive anticipation. You calm your... Uh, your fears and your um, your worries, you actually open up awareness and you stimulate your focus of attention and you activate the reward system all at the same time. It is the perfect state of brain. I'm curious about something you mentioned in there that our school system is based on curiosity because I'm, I'm a father of a, a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old and a 2-year-old 
And I find that in general, curiosity in my two boys and, and also uh, I coach a rugby team also, the, 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 the other 13 or so 14 boys in one of my son's rugby teams, there is a distinct lack of curiosity with kids. Brilliant. Is 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 that – where's that coming You're from? You're on it. You're absolutely on it because what they've done is it's based on curiosity for deficit, curiosity for what I don't know. So you mm. go along there and that's what it's supposed to be about but it hasn't. It's been shifted in the expression of that. Oh, people – instead of – they started off going, oh, people would be really interested in how this works and how that works and how mathematics works and how to do this and that. And people would come along and they were really interested. And then it became – and when you learn this, you'll become a good person. And if you don't know this, you're a bad person or you're wrong or you're not good enough. And this is the other side. So the curiosity approach is where you get all excited. And I've given this a name. I've written a book on it called How the Real World is Driving Us Crazy. And it's what I call the winner-loser world uh, situation where you have to – where the world tells you what winning and losing is – and then you have to measure up to it as different from you having a sense of what is a win for you and what is a lose for you, what is, what is a, an achievement, what is, a, what is a, a goal you can go for, what I call um, personal endeavor, challenging endeavor. And we become externally measured and schools just kill your curiosity because it ceases to become about the fascination about what you don't know and what you can know and it becomes what you have to know and must know or you will uh, have some punishment. Yeah, right. Richard, you've, you've written about uh, Robert Kiyosaki who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad and you said that our brains are either our greatest asset or our greatest liability. In yeah today's day and age for parents and or business leaders, what, what does that mean, mate? Can you, can you just give us some more information on that? Well, what I've done in, in moving on from that type of idea, uh, the curiosity approach has emerged out of that. And what it is, is we, our brain is really a great way to describe it. And we describe this in a thing called interpersonal neurobiology, where a mate of mine, Dan Siegel, talked about this as a flow of energy and information. And that energy and information flows down pathways that are open or that become opened. So if you don't, if you open the pathways that lead to a brain that is not what you want, not productive, uh, then that's a terrible thing. Whereas if you know how to open the pathways so that the brain is the most productive, then uh, that's a wonderful thing. Now, I say curiosity. I'm, I'm suggesting now quite strongly, I mean, give me a million dollars and I'll go prove it in a lab, but unfortunately, no one will give me five bucks, but not to wait, you know, uh, patience. But, um, <laughs> but th this winner-loser world is there doing, the, doing this, this drag, is, is constantly dragging the brain down to the, you're not good enough, you can't do this, and, and amplifying those things that happened to us when we were younger. And so now we have to go to a class to find out how to get rid of our, our negative inner voice and our limiting beliefs rather than noticing them looking at them, engaging with them, being curious about them and finding what we can create with them. But the, um, the, the essence of, of, of what's happening is our brains uh, will function the way 
that we that they feel they can function best at the time to manage what the 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 energy and information wants to do. Uh, that sounds a little bit esoteric and out there, but let me put it this way: because a lot of this comes from a thing called, called stereotype threat. And there were these guys, Aronson and Steele, in the mid-90s in uh, Stanford University. And they wanted to investigate, they were African-American guys themselves. They wanted to investigate this pressure on African-Americans from just the cultural belief that they're, that they're um, lesser than, you know, the white guys and that they're, you know, not as intelligent, monkeys from trees, all these terrible stereotype threats that are out there and they got the guys down and they didn't tell them that they were being divided up into groups and they had Caucasians and Hispanics and African Americans and they gave them a test and said this is just a test uh, you get some points for your for your studies and away you go and they all did pretty much what they do in most of their other exams then they got another group down and said now this is an IQ test and we're going to use it in your end of year um, degree marks and the African-Americans went down four or five and some as much as six points. And they went, wow, this is weird. Then they went and sort of got a group and uh, said, this is a test. And then halfway through, they came in and said, no, it's an IQ test and we're going to use it to measure you. And they went down in the second half of the test. They've also done it with women with mathematics and a few other bits and pieces. And what it's saying is that the attitude of the world around you permeates into you and this can also be your your parents sitting there saying you're no good you're you're hopeless you can't think all those negative inner thoughts and negative inner beliefs and they become these threats and what happened is when it wasn't a measurement that was going to you know risk that was at risk of their careers the energy and information flowed directly to the answers obviously, in the group. But when they had this threat of um, that they had to live up to and had these conditions of that uh, external negative attitude, some of them, the energy and information went to not the answer. And I do this little exercise. I do it in some of the brain blasts. I, I just did it. It'll be in ones for the Your Amazing Brain that I do, where I can just say yes to you or no to you and I can change your bodily functions just by giving you a positive and a negative stimulus. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's why curiosity is the answer because in the curious frame of mind, everything's okay because everything's possible. Uh, but sustaining the curious frame of mind in a world that's out there constantly saying, no, 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 I want to control you. Don't use, you know, stop that. Uh, that's the trick. I heard an interview with uh, Daniel Armin. But yeah, but he does all this wonderful stuff with ADHD and spec um, stuff. And yeah, he's cool. Yeah. And he said <laughs> he had 100,000 scans. Yep. And of those scans, he's got the most scan library apparently in the world. And he said yep. of those scans, there were a couple of people that he looked at who had beautiful brains. Yeah. And when I heard that, I thought, Actually, I'd like that. I like when I finish on the planet, I want to have a beautiful brain. Yeah. In your mind, if there is a leader or a business person or somebody who was looking to improve their brain and they had the desire to have a beautiful brain, what would you say would be the key parts in your mind from what you've seen and believe that would contribute towards a beautiful brain? Yeah. First thing that I would think is that a brain – is all about connection. 
That's what makes it powerful and engaged and productive. And that's not just connection with, that's connection within the, the biology. And it's also connection across uh, what we call the, the, the social synapse across with other people. So it's actually becoming an, what I call a connected individual. And that's the, first, that's the first step because if you're constantly fighting and battling this win-or-loser world, if you're actually trying to win or, or worried about losing, then what you do is you disengage from other brains and from all this other potential that's around you. And we're designed, uh, not designed, I'm not into designers, sorry about that, but we are built in, uh, in a way, we have come in such a way that we utilize other brains. Uh, like, for example, what what's your shoe size? Uh, nine and a half. Nine and a half. Well, I didn't know that. That's really cool. I now, because of your brain uh, and your personal knowledge and your personal awareness of your shoe size, I know that we now have slightly different shoes. I'm about a 10, 10 and a half. Oh, that's really interesting. I don't know what I'll do with that, but maybe I'll create something later. But I'm more open, I'm expanded. Whereas a lot of people wander around saying, I don't wanna know what anybody else thinks. Uh, I've got my plan, I've got my stuff, I'm in charge, I'm the hero, I'm uh, the winner. Everybody just do exactly what I say. That's a very, very bad leader. So connection is the first thing. What I was saying, noticing, being aware, and that requires pause and calm and, and the practice of observation. Uh, now, in nature, we have it. We have it. It's called the end of the day and it's called sunset. Uh, and we have one in the beginning of the day. It's called sunrise. And that is what human beings have evolved to do. Get to the end of the day. The sun goes down, pause, and just have this beautiful experience and allow our contemplative day to emerge. Now we don't do it. We, we kind of have to pay people to do mindfulness courses. But that's useful, you know, and, and, and that is very useful. So there's that noticing. And now I, I, I the more I've, I've been doing this work for five or six years now on curiosity, it is that igniting the curious mind um, and not just about what you don't know, but more about what you can create about what you do know. What have I learned to date? What can I create? And those three things open up the whole brain in a way that I believe would contribute to uh, Eamon's um, beautiful brain. What have you learned in the last 12 months about the brain that has had a significant impact on you and your own lifestyle, thinking processes, what you do uh, habitually? Like is there something you've discovered that you've – and going, you know what, that is that is very interesting. I'm going to adopt that because I want to make my brain beautiful. Yeah. Let me see. I, I, now, remember that I've been doing this brain stuff for about 20 years. So mm. I get fewer surprises. I get more confirmations and more. Yeah. So I've been theorizing about 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 stuff. But let me tell you a couple of things that if we just compress instead of like in the last 12 months, like in the last five years, um, here's a couple of them. One is what happens in our brains also happens in our DNA. And our DNA responds to activity. 
So it's the nature of your activities, your attitude towards activities of these things that people say, uh, because that attitude towards and the type of activities that you engage with, they can actually stimulate your immune system, your brain system, your body system. The whole system moves into a positive frame when you allow yourself to be activated in these appropriate ways. And those three things I said uh, that I was talking about, connection and um, curiosity and so on and so forth, are part of what it's doing. So one is I need to be the activator of the best of me. Uh, The other one is that we are inextricably linked to other people, which I now realize through what we call mirror neurons, which, which are neurons in our head, which actually fire up uh, when we watch somebody move exactly as if we were doing the movement ourselves. So we're, we're, actually, we're actually neurobiologically connected and that we use that to give ourselves a greater sense of where we are in the world and who those people are around us and our sense of safety. The third thing I think which is, which is really the most important is one we alluded to in the very beginning, that all these things are acting together. What goes into my stomach and is happening in my stomach is happening, uh, comes up and gives messages to my brain. Yeah. What's happening in my brain yeah. goes down to my stomach, my heart. So that it's an interplay mm. and that sometimes almost wherever you poke it, if it's not well, Wherever you poke it, you can have some impact. But the closer you poke it to the problem, probably the bigger impact you have. But almost anything you do that is positive and engaging and of those three elements I talked about, uh, and in curiosity, uh, the approach, I call it ignite the curious mind by being interested. Look for what's beneath the the surface issue. Mm. Look for the message in the problem and then create something with that understanding. That... Those are the elements that you do that anywhere. You do that with your heart. You do that with your stomach. You do that with your immune system. You do that with your brain. You do that with your eyes. You do that with music. You do that with writing. You do that with thinking. You do that with a radio show. You know, you do that with chicken farming. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that you engage, you connect, and you create. You. This is terrific, mate. You've, you, when I contacted you to come on the show, you sent me this lovely email and you said there's a bit of a story to your life from being a professional actor and singer-songwriter into psychotherapy and neuroscience, a couple of financial disasters along the way before you returned to university at 45 to redesign your professional and personal life, which I just think is extraordinary. With that with that journey you've had, Richard, and the association you now have with understanding or getting to understand or being curious about the brain, along the way, I suspect you were you had dreams of what Richard Hill's life would look like and what you wanted and who you wanted to be. Are you a believer that dreams are a big part of the operation of the brain and vice versa? Like, are dreams important to the brain in terms of being able to see what you want and be able to, like, make a career change at 45 is, is, is really quite extraordinary. Yeah. Did, what part do dreams play in the brain? I, I'd like to, to 
to qualify, I think when we talked about dreams, I think I think they're fantastic. I think dreams and aspirations and intentions and all those things are really are really vital. But I think what we've done is that's the that's the the top of the, the tip of the iceberg. That's what we mm. that's what we can see. That actually what they're talking about is what I'm now uh, expressing through the curiosity, and that's possibility. Mm. And your dreams are your possibilities because. Well, your dreams are in the future. Uh, now, curiosity is about the future and possibility is about the future. Uh, interesting, curiosity for play, that's actually very, very present. And, and uh, as I say, curiosity for what you don't know is short-lived. But curiosity for possibility allows these dreams to, uh, to, be, to be possible, to en- enable you. And all those intentions and all those, uh, those ideas and directions, what becomes problematical is when people say, get your dream and then follow it. Then make the dream rigid and go for it. Uh, now, I'm not an a encourager of that. I, I always like to keep it a bit fuzzy uh, so that, um, that when when the dream doesn't necessarily obviously my dream when i was when i was younger was to become a famous actor and uh, so what happens when that doesn't work out well if i've been if i've got my dream and i've set it up and then it's you know win or lose um, you know do or do or die and it doesn't work out for me dearie me that's hard i've then got to go through a massive readjustment whereas if it's a possibility this is a possibility. I could possibly become famous. That's really cool. Why we go, we're doing these things and yada, yada, yada. And of course, what I found as I got older was actually it wasn't about being famous. It was about having the opportunity to express myself. That's why I liked acting. And okay, the acting profession didn't do it so much. So, hey, I'm really interested in this brain stuff and language and I'll go do that. And what am I doing right now? I'm expressing myself and I'm actually, it's not Shakespeare, it's neuroscience, same stuff. So I found that by, by looking beneath the, the, the superficial element of the dream and the dreams are very often managed, uh, you know, managed by the win or loser world, you know, making lots of money, being very successful, um, dominating, controlling, whatever, you know, those sorts of things that the world says is a good thing. If you allow that to be a bit fuzzy, you can then find the heart. And then from the heart, mm. everything's possible. It's gold. Uh, what's the – uh, I know you've got a busy day on, so we'll let you go, mate. But there's a couple of quick questions before we finish. What's the first hour of your day look like? Now, I want to answer this really truthfully uh, because I know the, the, the sense of it. I know that a lot of people talk about, uh, about business and uh, you know, this is what I do in my work. Where does my hour start? Uh, because one of the things I say when I talk about work-life balance, I say, sorry, there's no work-life balance. It's all life. Mm. And my day starts when, uh, uh, when I wake up. I, maybe we won't worry about dreams now. Uh, I wake up. So my day starts. I wake up. I look to my wife and I express some kind of loving engagement because I've never seen her just like that before on that day in that moment. And we, I just have a moment of um, joy 
at this extraordinary experience I have. Then there's various functionary, functionary things and we wander around, I, you know, get dressed, have showers and bits and pieces. Uh, but, you know, if I, every time I see her, I go, oh, wow, there's, there she is again. There she is again. So that's wonderful. We'll then come into work and we'll start talking. We'll, sometimes I'll wake up and then I'll start talking straight away. Oh, this is the idea I had. This is blah, 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 blah. And Susie says, oh, that's really interesting because that and people think we're arguing, but, you know. Uh, then we'll get into work. So that's, I'll sort of make this really over a couple of hours. I'll then certainly get in on, on my, uh, get the computer going, I'll clean up, and I'll look at all my connections through the internet. And I'll start working there. And the first thing I do is attend to the people who are interested in me. I'll go have a look at my website to see if anybody's left any messages so I can talk to them. You know, I don't just sit there. Like whenever you get a message from me, you got it from me. You didn't get it. No, there's no one I employed to, to send you a happy message. It's, it's me. I, uh, uh, and, uh, and then um, I'll get an email from some strange guy saying, do you want to do a radio show? And I'll go wow, that's cool, and I'll reply to that, and then I'll wait and see what happens. So my first part of the day is acknowledging my space, realizing that everything is new and fresh, and then going and opening as many doorways of possibility that I can, uh, that are available to me. That's how mm. I start my day, and that's how it goes on. Very nice. More gold, guys. More gold. More gold. Uh, Send it to me. <laughs> Where can we find you, mate? People will be fascinated by your work, Richard. If you were going to send them to a location to contact and network with you, where would you send them? Well, the web's great. I'm in two places at the moment. One, one is the project that I'm doing, which is youramazingbrain30.com. And you can go in there and have a look at what I'm doing in, in talking about the brain. I've just done a fancy new video for the, for the landing page where there's all music and action and dancing, you know, dolphins and things. Uh, and I, I wanted to put on it, um, by the way, I made this. I didn't pay anybody. It's like me, you know, <laughs> having fun. Uh, so They're my dolphins. Yeah, that's my dolphin. So youramazingbrain30.com. Go there and go check out what I'm doing in the, the program of telling people about the brain. But you can get a broader sense of me at richardhill.com.au. Uh, so that's pretty easy. So richardhill.com.au because I'm in one of these strange Australian lands like, like you. Mm. And uh, that will give you the broader sense of me over my psych as a psychotherapist, as a, a, a business consultant, and as and, and various other areas. So that'll give you hours and hours of fun and entertainment. Mm. Well, Robbo, I reckon we need to get Richard back on to the Mojo Radio Show for point two zero because um, I've still got a half a page of questions of things I want to get into, like psycho, social, <laughs> genomics. Oh. And uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I would just love to ask you about, mate, but we're conscious of your time. Um, can we get you back on again? Yeah, and the audience too. I mean, they're getting a bit bored with it now. They've got other <laughs> things to do. So let's do it again. Yeah, cool. This has been terrific, mate. I, uh, I knew this would be a great chat. Thank you for your time. I think uh, you've dropped some goals throughout the show. Great, usable, practical stuff to take away. Your energy is just terrific. And uh, we will look forward to getting you back on again, mate, because um, there's so much more I'd like to delve into. Yeah, that's what people, that people want to talk about genetics. Poof. That's, <laughs> but I promise to make it interesting. It's opening a whole new can of worms, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Thanks, Richard. Thanks so much for your time, man. Okay. 
Okay. Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. He was full of gold, wasn't he? Mate, fantastic backstory, wasn't it? Yeah, interesting, isn't he? What a what an amazing guy. And a nice guy to talk to as well. I, I really enjoyed that chat. He's um he's very uh what's the word I'm thinking of? He's very positive. He's in, in his approach, isn't he? He's like he's full of very animated character. Very animated, and there are some people we interview, and you can just you know, this, we used to say in our old radio days back at the uh, Triple M that when the guys in the studio are having a good time, it comes through the speakers. Mm. Mm. And there are some guests that just have their mojo working and they just give off this amazing vibe that comes back through the studio. And yep. uh, I think Richard Hill was one of those guys, wasn't he? Absolutely. Now, listen, uh, I've got something. Now, I, we haven't done this segment for a while, but I was browsing through the net last week and came across this and I have got a massive, what were they thinking? You think it, but how often do you say it? What were they thinking? Some recent research in the US has showed that 39% of men admitted to stretching the snake, shall we say, while at work. What? Yeah, 39%. Now, there's also a, a smaller percentage of women, I think that was around 18%, but 39% of men in the US admitted that while they were at work, they went to the little boys' room and did what boys do best. That's ridiculous. It's crazy, isn't it? Now, why am I telling you this? Because there's a, a sex toy company based in London that have thought they'd capitalise on this and they've opened in New York the world's first Guy-Fi booth. What the Guy-Fi booth is, is it's a telephone booth with blacked out windows and an internet connect, a computer with an internet connection that connects to, you know, that sort of yep. thing, if you yep. know what I mean. Yep. So get this though, although that is a what were they thinking, get this, what were these guys thinking? On the first day it opened, it was used 100 times. Where is it though? Like it's, it's, it's not someone's it's, office. It, no, it's this telephone booth in the streets of New York. Oh, we'll, oh we'll, post, we'll post the photo on Facebook. It's the world's first guy. But how sad is this? It's so popular that they're talking about opening more, not just across the US, but across the world. Yeah, mate, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's a bit like this 24-hour shopping at Christmas time. If you can't get your Christmas shopping done in the 365 <laughs> days of the year, do we really need... 24-hour <laughs> shopping when you've got online shopping. Do we really need a telephone box? I mean, guys, come on. I mean, give me a break. Is it that urgent? I, would ask, I don't get it. That, that is a great, what were they thinking? I, do I, have... I don't know what they were thinking. In fact, I do know what they were thinking, but I don't get what they were thinking. The Mojo Radio Show. So a bit of quick housekeeping, folks, before we wrap up this little shindig we call the Mojo Radio Show. Uh, give us a call. The telephone number for the Mojo Radio Show Studio is 0872006656 or just dial 0872000MOJO on your keypad. So 087200MOJO. Leave us a message, give us a comment, tell us what we can do better, who you'd like to hear from in terms of guests would be helpful, hmm. questions you've got for us, anything. Just give us a ring, give us a shout-out. Whilst we're doing that, I'd like to send a big shout-out to AJ Caddy, who left us a very nice review on iTunes, which was very good of you. And the review said, feed your soul and listen to these guys. Work, life, wellness, rugby and rock. All the essentials, <laughs> good fun, fresh thinking. Good on you. Thank you for leaving that review. That does give us, it makes us feel warm and fuzzy, gets our mojo working. And folks, if you'd like to join AJ, just go to iTunes, click on ratings review. Give us your thoughts. One line. 
because we don't have any sponsors, we don't have any advertising. Hello to our friends at Tim Tam and Corona. Um, <laughs> just leave us a little comment. So I reckon that just about wraps up. We done? It does. I think we are. We um, we should play out with a, uh, a bit of a tribute to Glenn Fry, another another amazing rock mind who um, who left us in the last seven days. It's um, it's almost becoming a parade, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Sadly, has not been a great fortnight for us with artists, musicians, creatives, mm. and uh, another sad loss. I saw, a, I saw a great post on Facebook last week just quickly that said, um, Dear 2016, please stop taking out amazing rock and roll legends. We offer you the Kardashians. <laughs> <laughs> Three for the price of one. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so listen, so to play us out this week, uh, one of the all-time great Eagles tracks, this is Life in the Fast Lane, but I also did find a little piece of Glenn having a chat about how they came up with the riff at the beginning of that song. All oh, right. So, cool. uh, uh, so yeah, let's have a listen to that, and then uh, we'll see you all next week. We're, out. We're just uh, setting up to rehearse, and you know, we hear this. You know, and we go, "Hey, that's a song. That's a song. Save that. Save that, man." So then, actually, started jamming on it.
Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see GaryBurtWhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out VoodooSound.com.au and for the right voice, RealtimeCasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.